All right, good morning, everyone. I think a uh, special thank you to all our volunteers who are helping the Children's Church to kick off this fall, and uh, to the teachers in our congregation. We've got quite a few of you who, judging by the children's energy levels, will be in for a fun week. <sighs> special blessings. Uh, we're going to talk over the next uh, several weeks here, four weeks, about time. And this is something that I think is on a lot of our, kind of the front of our minds. It's in our hearts, it's in our emotions, and we're trying to figure out, you know, how fast time is, seems to be flying for some of our kids, or how things seem to just be going slowly and nothing's changing. We have all these different ways that we mark time. So just a few that kind of pop into my head. Uh, one of my favorite ways, and we heard it this morning, my favorite ways to mark time is with birthdays, right? So shout out to some of our Nebraska online worshipers, especially Fred slash Mindy. Happy birthday today. Uh, but uh, there are, how many of you are big birthday fans? Like this is a big deal. If somebody doesn't get you things in balloons, you're like giving them the stink eye for the rest of the year. Like, go ahead. Anybody birthday? Oh my, we're mostly to that point where we're not acknowledging the time is passing. Okay. Anniversaries. Uh, every year in January, I celebrate another long anniversary since the Bears last won a Super Bowl, right? And it just gets longer and longer and longer. The Vikings celebrate winning the Super... Oh, wait. Never mind. That was, that was good. I was glad I got that out. This might be my last sermon now. Um, so we mark time with... Seasons, right? Shout out your favorite season right now. Just shout it out. What's your favorite season? Wow, there it was. Finally got a winter. But yeah, we feel that season changing, right? The crispness in the air this morning when we got up. Everybody checking out like, all right, that was the big fog. So when's the first snow coming and all that? We feel that internal clock. My uh, boys are in marching band, so I've been kind of going to some of the practices and listening along, and I was in marching band. So one of my favorite things to do, because it was the thing in marching band I was the best at, was marking time. Does anybody remember doing that? Mark time, march, and I loved it, because I don't know if you can tell this, but Jesus made me a little bow-legged, and so marching in a straight line was not one of the spiritual gifts I was given as a youth. And so marking time was the closest I could come to looking like you're supposed to look when you're marching. And marking time also doesn't take as much energy because you're not moving <laughs> forward or backward, okay? And sometimes in life, we feel like we're just marking time. Sometimes it feels like things are going forward and we got this. Sometimes it feels like it's going forward a little too fast and we might face plant because we're getting ahead of ourselves. Sometimes it feels like things are going backwards. We're losing time. We're missing out on time. So as we go through this series and look into the scripture and what it has to say about our time over the next couple of weeks, I just pray that this will be an opportunity for you to maybe ask some questions you haven't asked before or say some prayers and and dig into God's great creation and, 
and how we as humans interact with our Lord in ways that you haven't thought of before. The title of this is 168. So my math majors in the room, why do we call it 168, do you think? Number of calories I had in my first sip of Pepsi this morning. What is the 168? Hours in a week, right? Is that correct, first of all? Everybody get your calculator out and make sure Taryn and got that number right. Is it 168? Okay. 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week. So there's nothing magical or holy about this other than to remind us that this is a gift we've been given. And we're going to talk about that gift more today. So, first scripture, as we get rolling, conveniently enough, is the first scripture as we get rolling. So Genesis chapter 1, the very first chapter in the Bible. If you want to look at this up on a Bible app or, or somewhere else, feel free to do so. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good. He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So I don't know about you, but I sometimes misremember things. And so one of the things I commonly misremember is the first couple chapters of Genesis. You know, God creates this, God creates that. And I don't think I'm an egomaniac, but I might be. I tend to think in my head that we were the first thing God created. But that's not the case. I always have to come back, and this week again I was reminded, the first thing God created was time. Now the dictionary defines time as the indefinite continued progress of existence and events that are in the past, present, and future regarded as a whole. Right? And that's exactly how you think about time, right? And every time ask, every time somebody comes up to you and asks what time is it you say, well, there is this indefinite continued progress. Are you referring to the whole past, present, future matrix? Or what exactly, you know? But look at that definition, the indefinite. Everything in my life that loves control already is squeamish at this point as we talk about God's time, right? <laughs> indefinite. Continued progress of existence. Time marches on, right? Past, present, and future seen as a whole story. God creates day. God creates night. And in so doing, God creates time. The variability for us to live in a world with a past, a present, and a future. A meaning to the story of all that is, that was, and that is to come. August is one of my favorite months of the year. And it has nothing to do than the fact that I'm a bit of a calendar nerd. So every August, what happens? I like a good deal. I like a sale. I like a bargain. And if you go to buy 
the next year's calendar in August, what can you find? You can not only find a 2024 calendar, you can find it with like four or five extra months from this current year that you already have in your calendar at home. But for some reason, when they give it to you as free months, you buy it anyway and throw your old calendar away. That's what I do every August. I take a calendar that has my life planned out. I buy this new one because that one didn't work. The new one will work every year because it's got four bonus months and those are the worst months in my current calendar. So I buy it and I write down everything that's going to happen, everything I'm going to do. And then like two weeks later, I'm already scratching things off and rescheduling things and it drives me nuts. So where are my calendar lovers in the room? Let me see. That explains a lot about fusion. Yes, there's four of us. Good. That is why we continuously say the same announcements over and over. But, but it's that time of year, right? Why do calendars go on sale now? Because everyone's trying to figure out when it's going to happen. This thing called life. How am I going to fit all this in? When's this going to be this year? What can I plan ahead for? <clears throat> so we have these concepts of time in our mind, but as this next slide shows, part of the thing we're going to get into the next couple of weeks is Bible time operates differently, like logistically differently. The people we read about in the scriptures, the stories of God that we share from in the scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation, beginning to the end, they didn't have stopwatches. They didn't have watches. There's some proof that sundials were in existence, but not a lot of them. It was kind of the elite in the community, and it had a different concept, and how they marked time in their sundials was different. Instead of hours, most of the communities we read about as people are living, as Jesus was walking and talking about days and nights and times and seasons, Instead of hours, a lot of these communities had like six periods to the day. Any of the Lord of the Rings fans, it's breakfast, second breakfast, third breakfast, you know, fourth Pepsi, eighth Pepsi. But it's this, this whole different way of looking at life. So, so think about that person in your life who is always late. Okay? How many of you are looking in a mirror? No? That's just... But even the word late... What does it imply? It implies that there's a set time to be somewhere. So in school, if you're late, it's called a tardy. And if you get so many tardies, you try to hide it from your parents, right? Or what? <laughs> I'm looking up in the balcony at a few. No. What is? So we have these conceptions in our world. Our world operates in seconds. Jesus' world operated in sunrises. It takes a different kind of planning, right? It takes a different type of awareness of the world around you. The Old Testament, we see this very often. They measured time in generations, not years. So we see 40-year spans. Was it exactly 40 years to the dot? No, it was probably two generations. You know time has passed when all of a sudden you're holding a great-grandkid, right? You can't really ignore it. Things have changed in the world in that time. Everything's progressed across creation. 
They talked about seasons, not weeks. They talked about days, not hours. So the fact that our sermon series is called 168 kind of betrays that we're, we're living a life created by God through the story of the Bible, and yet it just doesn't quite make sense in our world today. We keep running into things like hurry up, slow down, that we have to wrestle with. What does it mean? How do we act? How do we live as a follower of Christ in a world that keeps track down to the millisecond sometimes? One of my favorite time operating differently stories wasn't my favorite at the time, but it was a, it was a board game. So board games, for those who have never played one and only know Candy Crush, it used to be this thing, they came in a box and you got them out and they'd have little chokeables that kids could play with, covered in lead paint usually. And then one of the other things they had always was a little timer, right? And if you're like me, you're always wondering who counted those grains of sand, right? Like, are they sure that's a full minute? So we were playing this game, and it was one of those word puzzle games like Scattergories or something else where you got to get a certain amount of things done, and whoever gets the most done in 60 seconds wins. And I like to win. And we started playing around the family table at one Christmas, I think it was, and, and I was like, boy, I feel like this has been going on for a while. And I looked over, and it was still like half full. I'm like, all right. So I just keep busting out words. I'm like, I am a genius. Like, this is next level. Like, this is my calling in life. I'm, then I look over at my mom's, and hers is still full, and my sister's is I'm like, okay, maybe something else is. And I look, and it's still half full. The hour, the little time glass is still half full. And that's when I learned that when playing a board game, there's always one niece or nephew who's mesmerized by the timer. What was happening was every 30 seconds or so, my nephew would flip the timer over when no one was looking. We were all so intent at what we were doing, we lost track of who was actually in charge of time. That was the highest score we ever reached in that particular word game. But it was, it's always interesting to think about how easy it was to be completely thrown off by seconds. And who got mad at the nephew and who thought it was hilarious, right? So think about your own connections and relationships. So in the scripture, we have three distinct words or ways that time was conceptualized. So we're going to start with the first two, the biggest two. Kronos and Kairos, okay? These are Greek words. The New Testament was written in Greek for the most part, and this is the culture they grew up in, uh, kind of that Roman Greco understanding of how the world works. So Kronos, we're all familiar with. It's those of you who sneak a glass at your watch and the clock to figure out how many minutes I have left so we can get out of here by 11. It's hours and minutes. It's clock time. It's chronological time. And Kronos shows up in our Bible in the New Testament about 50, 55 times. And every time that shows up, the English translation says time, okay? But it means something slightly specific. So when Jesus was born, we have the story of King Herod, who wasn't very excited about Jesus as a threat, you know, to his rule. 
And he called the Magi, the wise men, secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. The word in that scripture that was used in original Greek was chronos. He wanted to know exactly when it happened. Why? Because we keep reading, he wanted to know exactly how old the child would be so they could take care of the problem, right? Take out the threats. Kairos is also translated as time in our English, but it means something quite different. Whereas Kronos is the world of tardies or time's up or late or early, Kairos means the opportune time. It's also called God's timing, the right time. Kronos talks about minutes, Kairos talks about moments. So in the Gospel of Mark chapter 1, when John the Baptist was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee and proclaimed the good news of God. And he said, the time has come. He wasn't saying this particular minute, this particular hour. What he was saying is, pay attention. This is the moment to lean in. The kingdom of God has come near, which also can be translated as has become important is right in front of us. Repent, believe the good news. As I think about the difference between Kronos and Kairos, how many times during a week do I get caught up in Kronos? I don't know about you, but I've been in situations where I have a meeting at 2, a meeting at 2.30, a meeting at 3, and at about 2.27, the person I'm meeting with starts crying. And I just say, stop it. I got to be on Zoom at 2.30. Pull yourself together. Pray to Jesus. And then I log off. That would be being oblivious to Kairos, God's timing, right? How many times have you been in a place where all of a sudden you started being in a conversation with someone and you knew that, goodness gracious, the Holy Spirit's here. I need to dwell, I need to linger here. I, I know someone's waiting for me though. I know this is happening. I know, and you're, and you're having that internal struggle of which time's going to win. We go through that, right? We have those moments. What we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks is how do we choose? How do we communicate in a world of Kronos the fact that God shows up in our moments? How do we make space for the margin for those moments? How do we see those moments as possible, just not from 10 to 11 on Sundays, but from midnight to 2 on a Thursday. Kronos and Kairos are going to keep coming up. Something to think about the next time someone asks you what time it is. There's one other word about time in the Bible that shows up a lot, and it's my least favorite. I find it really, really tacky. 
Wait for it. Wait for it. Slide. Slide. Boom. There it is. Dad pun of the day, right? I don't like to be hurried. I love to hurry others, right, boys? <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. But yeah, nobody likes to be rushed, right? And yet here in the scriptures at the most opportune, important, life-changing moments, we hear things that are quick, swift, hasty even. The word kind of has this connotation to it, like it's happening and I'm not ready for it. That vibe? Anyone have any of that going on? Sending kids to various places or starting new seasons of work or other things in life or saying goodbye, perhaps, to people we weren't ready to say goodbye to, as I got to experience too this week. What's interesting about tacky is uh, we sometimes misinterpret it, I think. And I want us to keep this in front of us over the next couple of weeks especially. It's not our kind of hurry. It doesn't have an or else to it. The last book of the Bible, what tells about our, our completion of time, starts this way. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to John here on the island to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to the servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads about the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. The first people that heard this scripture were really, really hoping it was tomorrow. Life was terrible. They were under oppression in the cities and towns they were at under the empire. Come, Jesus, come today. And so they hear near, they hear swiftly. And you can understand that hope. But as we continue a couple thousand years later, we start to understand maybe a little different understanding of what it means to be quick in God's time. What it means to be swift. What it means to be hasty or unexpected or not ready for. As God completes time swiftly and quickly, it's more this understanding that right now, right in this moment, very soon, Time can stop. God can break in. The God who created time can complete time right here, right now. And it's out of our control. When he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. That swift, that soon. It's not to scare us away. As in, if you don't get your act together soon, you're going to miss out. It's meant to inspire us, to give us hope, 
to all of us who have been suffering through something for a long time, to all of us who have been hurting for a long time, who have been held under somebody else's control or unsure of what the future will bring, God is saying that I complete time. I created it. I complete it. This next moment could be that moment. This next time could be your time. Have hope. Have faith. I've done it before. I will do it again. We sing praises in our songs today of that Jesus that we trust that is coming today, tomorrow, yesterday, forever. The God who created time also completes time. So what does 168 mean to you as we dig into this the next couple weeks? If we firmly believe that our time, as we experience it here in this life, is of the utmost importance to God because we know God created it in the first place and that God completes it and continues to intend to complete it in God's time. The God of all those moments that change our lives and the God of all those minutes when we feel like maybe we're just marking time. God cares about our time. Therefore, so should we. So what role do hours play in your life? How much of your week is spent needing to be on Kronos time? How much control does the clock, the calendar have on who you are at any moment? And how you're present with the people around you? How much of our week is spent being aware of Kairos time? God's moments, God's breaking into this world in ways we couldn't expect, plan for, that, that leave us forever changed whether it be a conversation, an experience, sitting silently, talking loudly. How much of our week is spent tackily? Hurry up. You're too late. Caught up in some misunderstandings of the kind of God we have and the kind of patience and opportunity God provides us. One of the ways that we want to help everybody mark time this fall as we get into you know, grade school and high school starting, college starting next week, other events and changes heading into the fall are these wristbands that you can, I believe our ushers are going to help hand out after worship today. They say 168 on them or 891 if you hold it upside down. But let's go 168, Okay. It's up to you, really. I don't know what unit of measurement that would be, but whatever helps you remember throughout the day, if you wear this, I hope you remember whose time am I living in at the moment? Whose is this? What am I, what am I doing with my gift of time today? Because until that final time we talk about in Revelation, that scripture we shared, when Jesus' return brings all to its full completeness. Until that time, our time matters to God. 
Until Jesus' swift, triumphant return, we journey days and nights. Until we fully embrace that our time, our 168, was never ours to begin with, but a gift for us to live with, we're going to struggle. Until we remember that Jesus was sent into our time, he lived Kronos and Kairos alongside of us in order to redeem it and reclaim it for God. The God who knows when we are and fights right alongside with us, like we talked about with the kids. Because our time matters to God, I pray that we live with an appreciation of what it is and what it isn't so that it might always be an offering to our Lord. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we come to you this day in the great mystery that it's the morning here and the evening across this globe that is your great creation. As we continue to mark time today and in the days ahead, as some of us are marching forward and some of us are marching backwards, some of us marching in circles, some of us just desperate for your return. Wherever it is you find us in this time, we pray that it might be a blessing to you. We pray that your time might be understood in our time, that, that how we choose to use this gift that we've been given might be a reflection of you, the good and gracious giver. May our hearts and minds, our eyes and ears be open to the Kairos time all around us this week and in the weeks ahead. May we have the courage to hit the pause on Kronos when your spirit breaks into a moment. And may we be diligent with our, our Kronos time as well. May our yeses be yeses and our noes be noes. May we not overcommit so that we can truly be present in the minutes, the hours, and the days that we've been gifted with. All this we ask to you in this time. In Jesus' name, amen.